week's episode of the House of Lords podcast, we are your hosts. This is Nicole, and I am joined by Armani. What's up, guys? And Dexter. What's going on, y'all? For this special Paint Sundays Black, which we are also going to call Paint Sundays Red, because there was a lot of blood in all of these episodes. Like, all the things that we're talking about, people died. Like, died. And yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Was so, a lot. first off, how's you guys week been since the last pod tiring tiring but fulfilling i guess oh armani tell us about your extracurricular activities i've just been working on some music with a couple people that i met recently um and it's it's been fun it's an experience definitely hey okay okay creating things creating other things to put in the world got it um dexter so I'll say uh, I had a pretty week. It was, you know, fast. Seems like these uh, these pods come really fast. So I'm assuming the weeks are going by really fast too. Yeah. You got a new toy though. I did get a new toy. I got a I got a VR. I haven't played it yet, but I got a PlayStation VR. Uh, I know it's late. However, I got Iron Man. I haven't played it yet. I don't know if I would consider that late because, to be honest with you, Iron Man is a platform seller. Like Iron Man is the reason to buy a VR. Just like God of War is a platform. Like, there's certain games that this is the reason why you would spend $300 on something. And Iron Man is definitely the reason to buy a VR. Yeah, that was the first thing my youngest son said to me. He was like, doesn't that cost as much as a system? And it was just, I was looking at him, just like, looking down, like, yeah, money is so much different. Because he's just looking like, when would someone spend $200, $300 on something? And I'm just looking like, it was (laughs) amazing. As a person who has to sell those things, that's always, that's the biggest barrier is the price of the VR because most parents are just like, you want me to spend how much on what? But once you get in it, like once you put it on and you see just how immersive VR is and once you see how immersive the PlayStation VR is and then you start adding in things like Beat Saber, other co-op games, it's, it's worth it. Like it's definitely worth it. You get your money's worth quick. And I mean, VR games for the most part are pretty inexpensive. Um, now, I mean, you get a triple A title like Iron Man, it's going to be a little bit more, but Beat Saber was what? How much did you say Beat Saber was? Like 30. 30? Yeah. Beat Saber's 30. Keep talking and nobody explodes. We picked it for like $19.99. Awesome. At least they like it. Uh, life is great. No complaints. Just vibes. Just vibes. No complaints. <laughs> just vibes. <laughs> Working. Getting ready for the launch of the PS5 and it's just getting closer. Excitement's going up. So, yeah, it's this is almost the quiet before the storm. And being that this is like dealing with game launches versus system launches is, is just very different. It's a very different feeling. Um, I've gotten a couple game launches and AAA launches under my belt, but a system launch is different. So and a system launch during a pandemic. So, you know, it's kind of it's interesting. It's a whole new world out there. So I'm just you know, it's good. It's good. Things are great. I played Untitled Goose Game. I have like real shit to finish and I have been not finishing it. If that's what we want to talk about, like the bullshit that I've played as opposed to the real things I'm supposed to be playing. Anybody else playing anything right now? Has anyone picked up a controller? Not at all. Okay. I keep wanting to try out Untitled Goose Game. Fall Guys. You're a Fall Guys addict. You're the reason I haven't played anything else because all you want to play is Fall Guys. I'm not letting you play video gaming on me when I play a game once every week and a half. Like you're not like you're not gonna make it seem like what you do during the week. You know what I'm saying? Nah. As a matter of fact, that's not true, yeah. 
The last time you picked up the stick, it wasn't that game. No, and I can't. You were just playing Ghost of Tsushima, right? No, I was supposed to play Ghost of Tsushima, but then I got busy doing other shit and couldn't focus. Okay, so that's the thing with gaming. You, I have too many games in my library that you have to focus on. So focusing is hard for me right now. Like I'm having focus issues because I should be done Ghost of Tsushima by now and I'm not. I should be done Days of Gone, Days Gone by now and I'm not. I platinum Spider Man, but yeah, like I can't focus. It's hard to focus on things right now. I don't think you're just watching too much TV. Um, no, because like even when I want to play a game, like I'll go to pick up something and I'll start to boot it up, and I'm just like, ah, HBO Go, I go. Like I just don't. I think the I think the and maybe Armani kind of clue in a little bit. I mean, can add to it, but it's like I think me not having to go to work makes it so that everything that I do outside of my work hours it kind of blends and it doesn't I don't I don't do as much as I used to do I don't do as much as I used to do and I can imagine what she has to go through in doing real like going outside of the house and coming home and then trying to fit in whatever she has to do because it is weird like I understand what you're saying about your games because it's the same with certain types of movies that I just haven't watched because I feel like I don't have that type of focus for that type of movie at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's since you're not going outside, like coming home and playing games was almost the release and the juxtaposition of having to deal with the outside world. And it's like the outside world's kind of gone. Mm. So, yeah, I, I really want to play Minecraft. I just have really wanted to play Minecraft lately. And I can't find my Minecraft disc. So I'm no longer going to give people who buy games digitally shit because, like, right now, I'm upset I can't find my physical disc and I just want to play Minecraft. Whatever. City Skylines. I've been playing City Skylines. I re-downloaded that off of PlayStation now, but it's not as fulfilling as Minecraft would be if I could find my disc. So, yeah. <laughs> off of my focus issues, my lack of focus thing on video games and let's talk about the shows we've been watching because let's be real that's what people are here for they're not here for um you know maybe they're here for what we're playing or not playing but whatever anyway fargo <laughs> so fargo episode five birthplace of civilization episode starts off with the cops busting into a jazz club harassing people we see Lloyd's son is there with the bodyguard that was hired to have his back and a bunch of just other black people having a good ass time. Just and the fuzz busts in and breaks it up. You know, he enjoys things. <laughs> but, no, right? But then it, it it backs out and we see what's really going on here is this was put in place by the Fadas. So we go outside and we see Josto and Gatano, a possible united front for the the Fadas, the Fada boys, possibly united. Yeah. Yeah, they don't look like they got beef right now. They look nah. like they're good. Um, nothing brings people together like a common enemy. Facto. Uh, so, Loy, we also get, then we get Loy handing the guns over to um, the family from Fargo, to the Fargo folk. And he tells them that, you know, this, these you're getting these guns in exchange for loyalty. And they're like, are we going to war with the fighters? With the, what did he call them? He said something crazy. Um, but he was like, we're going to war with the Italians. We're like, we don't know yet. We'll see. So, but just in case we do, you'll get called if, if we, if need be. And then we also learned very quickly, this episode kind of moved. Yeah, it did. There's a lot. Yeah, there's, there, there a lot. Cause real quick, then we get that Lloyd knows exactly who robbed him. He's like, the funeral home is ours. 
We're going to go in there and you're going to make it known to them that it's ours. So we get that really quick. Um, and he's like, and it's mine unless they tell me where them. Oh, no, it's mine, period. But they're going to also tell me where them, where them chicks is at. Then the, the police bust in on Lloyd and his his friends. And it's led by uh, Otis. His name is Otis. The cop, the local local cop with issues with the OCD. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying these Chris Rock speeches a lot. Uh, Chris Rock quickly tells us the story behind his OCD and his his problems. We learned that he was in war and his job was to go out and find mines. I couldn't imagine being the person that has to go find landmines. That is the job you get when you've made someone upset. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have to tell someone, go, yeah, go look for these mines. Go find you bombs. Yeah. step on one, yeah. So we learned that was his job in the military. He had a situation where he wasn't able to do his job or didn't do his job. And a colonel got killed. So he kind of fell short. So, you know, Lloyd tells that story and throws it out there in front of everybody. But he still picks up Lloyd's bag of money and he walks off with it. Yeah, they so they arrest more, more of Lloyd's men, lock him up in jail. And then in the jail, Josto and Rabbi show up and let them know, look, we're we're not letting up. You need to t- tell us what your boy's about to do. It's time's coming to an end for y'all. So you just need to back down. Josto's really making some power moves here. We're seeing him really step up at this point. He has a pretty interesting speech about how his gangsterism is different than their gangsterism. How their crime is just looked at as them just trying to get ahead. He said, when you guys do crime, they just see crime. And I was like, ah, oh, I hate the I hate the way that sometimes race is painted completely the way that it is, and it's mm-hmm. so hurtful to feel it exactly the way that they're saying it because it's real. It's real. I can shit, and they're gonna just say that's business as usual. That's what those guys do. You know what I mean? As mm-hmm. opposed to when the black guy comes up and he starts ruffling feathers, everybody's like, he needs to get in his place. Yeah, yeah. This. This has been an interesting season because this is the first season of Fargo that we've dealt with race. Like the other stuff had other underlying issues, but this one is crime and racial issues all over the place from the start. So it it's, it is very interesting the way that it's just in your face. It's been in your face since the beginning of this season. And I think that's probably yeah. some of the reason why some people are like, uh, you know, is this season as good as the previous season? Because the previous seasons just jumped into like the shits with crime. Like, oh, I'm here for a crime drama. This one kind of makes you feel some things and think some things. And now it's kicking up the other stuff on the back yeah. end. Yeah, this show is it's definitely different than the other one. I think the thing about the other shows, though, there was always someone who was, for lack of a better word, stupid. And you followed this stupid person doing stupid stuff and watching them get in over their head. I think now you have people in a position of power and like you have someone like I don't think in any of those other seasons you really rooted for anyone specifically. You were just kind of like watching. Mm-hmm. But but we we're damn sure rooting for Chris Rock. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's you know, we're going to circle back to that at the end of this. So Ethel Rita decides that she wants to write a letter to some doctor telling them about Nurse Mayflower and the shit she's been up to. So she thinks that this is probably going to be a good idea. Um, her dad walks in and she asks her dad, like, what is le- um, the Loudum stuff that she found? Which, if you've watched any Wild West movies at any point, it's typically in there. And it is an opium concoction. So it's like a 
painkiller that's a hell of addictive because it's essentially it's, it's opium. What they were using before, they kind of toned it down and made morphine. And he tells her what it is. And she's just like, well, you know, I found it in Nurse Mayflower's house. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe she's not the kind of people you should be hanging out with. Because I'm pretty sure she poisoned the pie that she gave us. So Thurman tells out the reader she poisoned the pie. So again, this kind of goes to this episode is moving. Like we are getting people are learning things and we are seeing them know that shit's kicking up pretty quickly. Information and development. Yes. Talk about it. Rabbi is teaching statual math. He tells Josto that the problem that he's got right now with the... uh, with Lloyd's people is like is is it's a math problem. You either divide them up or they multiply. I was like, that sounded really racist at first, but then I was just like, eh, he's got a point. It's like either you you break them down or they're gonna keep multiplying. It's, it's a simple fact. Like that's what this business is. But I did like the fact that we see Rabbi, which I think we we knew pretty early on that Rabbi is gonna make sure that this kid is okay or try to make sure that Satchel is okay as possible because again. He's been through this where he's been separated from his family and he's been a pawn in this these war games. Yeah. He understands the lack of loyalty that the fathers have with him, period. So I can't see how he would feel good. Like he has to feel like an outsider and he knows that the little black kid is an outsider. So I'm going to take care of him because he's a victim. As am I. Shit. I don't have nobody. Yeah. I killed my whole family and y'all don't treat me like... I killed my whole family. Y'all treat me like I killed my whole family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically not for y'all. So, and Rabbi tells Satchel, you know, when the shooting starts, we're going to vanish. There's an exit plan. And I I was watching this and I'm just like, they're just going to have this conversation in front of this kid. This whole conversation is being had. Kids sitting there. So, yeah. But after Josto leaves is when Rabbi tells him, hey, when the shooting starts, we need to get the hell out of Dodge pretty quickly. He's talking to the kid and he's making it clear that they need to, there's there's an exit plan. During that conversation with Ethel Rita and her father, she had asked her about where, you know, if they were ever going to see Zelmer again. And he had mentioned to her, he should have told her where she was at. And he was like, stay away from there. Why would you tell her where she was at if you wanted her to stay away from her? Thurman's not the sharpest tool in the shed because (laughs) ethel rita goes straight to her aunt and it's ethel rita's birthday so it's on her birthday she goes straight to her aunt her aunt gives her a nice little education about the difference between criminals and outlaws that was so good it was this was this was was so good this this episode (laughs) has so many of them it had so many of them she was busting it down because i was sitting here listening like well, what is a criminal? And she was basically like, nah, outlaw don't give a shit about none of that. And I was just like, oh, that makes sense. One of the things she said, like an outlaw's only crime is wanting freedom. I agree with you. I dug it. I was here for it. I was here for the Zelmir gems. Lloyd goes home. His wife is getting ready to go down to the jail to bail out their son. And he's like, nah, woman, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> I got this handle. I'm taking care of it. And she's like, oh, you're taking care of it. One son's, you know, essentially a hostage. One son's in jail, but you're taking care of things. And his mother-in-law is on the couch with her mm-hmm's and like, yeah, you tell him, girlfriend, shit going on in the background. And then <laughs> Lloyd puts her in her place real quick and is like, look, all this shit you got comes at a cost. And unfortunately, you don't get to be like, I don't want to deal with it now. Like you can't, this shit told her, this ride's not stopping. Like you can't get off. Until the ride stops. You ain't going nowhere. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, she learned two things. What's she that? learned two things at that moment. She learned, yo, you know what? He's right. And, <laughs> and he's right. 
Nah, <laughs> no, it was it was kind of like she really learned at that moment. Like these things that I get, you're a hundred percent right. Everything that I get is based off of this life. Everything that I enjoy is based off of this life. If we, if you didn't understand this life, you wouldn't have gave your child up in the first place. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And then what she also learned was is that, like you said, you can't get off this ride. Like it's already started. You were already part of you in it. So ride with me or, you know, whatever. What do you say? Go give me some what? He said, go give me some coffee. <laughs> he said, take that damn coat off and go get me some coffee. And she proceeds to just take her coat off and go get him his coffee. And then he said to grandma. He's like, you got any more mm to go with that? <laughs> yeah. I was a moment. Yeah, it was a moment. <laughs> it was. It was a really great Chris Rock moment. I really like him in this character. Um, this is a great episode for him. Let's see. Deffy pays a visit to Otis. This was after seeing him leave Lloyd's place because he saw him leaving because he was outside being creepy or doing his job, whichever one you want to call it. But he saw him leaving and then, you know, he, he approaches him later on. And he's like, hey, so I think I want to go shake this tree and see what falls. You want to come with me as far as like doing some actual police work and investigating criminals? And he's like, mm, nah, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> like, you go ahead. Um, but we do learn a little bit more about him, about the fact that he lost. I don't know if this, I don't know how much we need. Do we need his backstory? Do we care about this local cop any more than what we've already learned about him? Like, mm, talking about Otis? Yeah. Mm, I feel like we got no, his no. backstory twice. Like, we've gotten two pieces of, of history about him in this episode. Like, his military backstory. And then while he was in the military, his fiance died. So, like, I don't know if we need all this. I mean, I understand what you mean. Like, however, I can't be mad at them layering a character when <laughs> when there's so much television we watch where they have no layers. You know what I'm saying? So do we need it? Nah, but I guess it's cool to find out why he acts. Because he, he acts weird. He's very weird. He's very different. You know, maybe you can see why, you know, he has this obsessive compulsive. Yeah, we needed that backstory. I'm with it. Okay. Because, I mean, they go make him, they make him turn the doorknob 40 times. Like, <laughs> and knock on things. And... Yeah, you got to put a reason why he's doing this shit. All right. Um. So, Gatano is still running around with, God, uh, Calamita and Gatano are still running around together, which is really bold on Calamita's part, because I thought Josto had made it pretty clear that you work for me, not my brother, but I don't, I just feel it's interesting that he's still running around with him like so openly. But he is. And they go to, I guess, a little cafe, a little diner. And Gatano busts his ass outside on the ice. And there's a guy outside who's, I don't know what he was doing. He couldn't have been sleeping if there was ice. But he was outside doing some shit. And he saw it. And he busts up laughing at Josto. I mean, at, uh, at Gatano. And Kalamita is looking like... Uh, you have no you clue who you laughing at. Yeah, basically. And this is where we get Gatano being just physically, like up to this point, he's been physically intimidating and he just looks scary. And he really hasn't like done anything, but he, his presence is intimidating as hell. And he just like is up on the young man. He's like, yeah, no, no, no. that was funny. I get it. It's cool. I'd laugh too. So they go inside, they're talking. And the kid brings Katano some coffee. And this is where Katano kicks it up <laughs> a notch. Because he goes from just being physically scary to being like, you know what? 
It's the problem with you fucking Americans. Yo, everything is accompanied by monologue in this, in this show. Every Like, if you're about to die, you're probably going to get a lecture before you die. Facts. My favorite part of this was, was when he said, the problem with you Americans is your lady Jesus and everyone thinks they can be president. Uh, I didn't like that part. Like, who? I ain't never wanted to be president. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but if you really think about it, like, that's one of those things, like, they tell kids... You can be anything you want. You can be president when you grow up one day. And it's like, oh, everyone wants to run the country. Why? Why? Like, that? why? Yeah. It's funny because that is something that you hear. I mean, at least you see it like a lot in TV shows and stuff like in movies with there's kids and they're telling kids it can be whatever they want. The job president always comes up. So that was kind of funny. But anyway, uh, Gatano then proceeds to, like you said, lecture this young man. He tells about how uh, people don't do their job. And that's why, though, he said, you know, everybody thinks that they can be president. However, you have your own job that you should be trying to be good at. And he's like, and you are supposed to be good at bringing me coffee. <laughs> and Shit coffee. And he brought her some shit coffee. And he's like, and then you laugh at me about some ice that I slip on that you were supposed to clean up. Yeah. And then he shoots him. <laughs> So he shoots the kid, he shoots the bartender, and I was like, why did he shoot the bartender? The bartender didn't do anything. Damn. Like, and so I he said, <laughs> that's the, probably his boss. If I slipped on the ice outside, it's probably not the little guy's fault. It's probably your fault. You both got to go. That's definitely how Gatano felt. So he kills. So we actually get him now actually killing two people. So he's turned it up a notch. Loy ends up taking Zero. We learn that the little father's name is Zero. He takes him in. He shows up on Thurman's doorstep at the funeral home and tells him, hey, you got to let it like you need to invite us in. So they invite him in. Now they're preparing for Ethel Rita's birthday party. They had the cake and stuff going on. And Lloyd is pretty much busted down from like, look, I know that the money you gave me was money that your sister stole from me. So now you're going to sign me over the deed to this funeral home. So this is my business now. And you're going to tell me where your sister's at. And they're like, what are you going to do with her? Like, no, 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 no. This is not the question where, this is not the part where you ask questions anymore. That's gone. And he, when he told them, this is not the please part anymore. This is the don't kill me part or some shit like that. He said, um, this is the thank you for me not killing you part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, God damn. He's like, so you can tell me where she's at or I can paint these walls with you and then wait for your daughter to come home. So it was pretty clear what the choice was there was going to be made. Um, they did what not. Talking about? Yeah, I liked it. I was like, oh, you're going to paint it, huh? Not black. It's going to be red in this bitch. <laughs> We're painting these walls red. It's okay, though. Normally, that's my bag, but you can have it. <laughs> At the same time, so Lloyd finds, they don't show it, but Lloyd finds out where, where Zelmer and Shawnee are holed up. At the same time, Deffy rolls up on Ethel Rita at school and tells her and asks her, hey, where's your aunt? Like, you got a choice. to make. We can be civilized and you can tell me or you can be a civilized decision and tell me where your aunt's at. And he proceeds to tell her the crimes that her aunt's committed, which we find out there's murder involved. So Ethel Rita then decides she's going to school him about, you know, where civilization came from. So the birth of civilization started in, you know, Africa. And she gives him and then basically we get the name of this episode, Birthplace of Civilization. And Duffy's like, you know what? That's all cute and that's fine and well. At the end of the day, look, I'm either going to have you expelled from school or your aunt. Like, which one is it? Somebody's life's getting ruined today. It can be your life or her life. So which which one? And then look on poor Ethel Rita's face and she's like, sir. And he's like, oh, so now it's sir. 
minute ago, you was giving me lip, and now it sucked. So she drops a dime on where Zillmer is at, too. So now it's a race to who's going to get there first. Is it going to be Duffy or is it going to be Loy? And what's going to happen? Loy gets there first and offers them a job. Like, he rolls up in there and tells them that, you know what? I'm not going to kill you for what you did. You're going to work for me now. I need your set of skills. And uh, they're just like, at first they're kind of pushing back, but then they realize, like, look, we can either die or we can just do this. So Loy gets them out of there and Daffy shows up just in time to see them make off in a car. So he knows who they're with because he sees black guys. I mean, ain't that many black people in town. So um, he's a little late. Final scenes of this show, this episode. So the final wrap up of this episode uh, we get a meeting with Calamita and Dr. Senator. And in this meeting, Calamita is telling Dr. Senator that, you know what? Your little meetings with the consigliere are over. The time for talking is over. You know, we're done talking. Like, you guys are going to stand down. You're going to do what you're told. You're going to basically get back in your place. And Dr. Senator is just looking at him. And he's like, you ain't got shit to say. And he's like, you said we were done talking. <laughs> <laughs> And we get Gatano's weird self, you know, in a corner, lingering, eating some shit. He's always eating or drinking something. And then him and Dr. Center have this conversation. <sighs> yeah, I don't understand, man. <laughs> Help it's me understand what's the point of making him verbally get over on him just for him to walk outside. And get shot. Because Dr. Center straight up tells him, like, y'all haven't earned my respect. Abel... The dad who died, he earned my respect. Like, he earned respect. You guys haven't earned respect, but you think you should be getting it. And then he goes outside, and you hear footsteps behind him. And it looked like he was maybe going to go inside his coat to pull something out. But he did it way too slow, because as he turns around, Calamita starts putting bullets in his chest. So, episode 5 of 11, we get our first casualty. Like, that's been the thing with this season, is the buildup of who's going to be the first person to die. Because... Truthfully, that's that's what Fargo's been about. It's been about, like you said, someone stupid making stupid decisions that gets everyone around them killed. Whereas this season's been filled with reasonably smart people and people that you like you're rooting for. And there's so many people on screen that can die and probably will. But it's like, yeah, it's different than the previous ones. Yeah. Where, like you said, like that one stupid person, their story arc usually kills mad other people. You know what I mean? But this one, they, you know, you had a lot of killing that didn't matter at the beginning because they were showing you the families and stuff like that. But now you're just looking like, okay, there's a lot of great, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that can die. There's a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a lot of connections that they are creating. And now that they're unfolding, you know what I mean? This whole episode was nothing but connection 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 and then making sure that we ruffle that connection real quick and let you know hey you know this is going on over here so i i assume that next episode will be a lot of chris rock's group getting over a little bit and what's the nurse's name again nurse mayflower she's she wasn't really in the episode she was banging her head against the wall in the episode right during the credits at the beginning yeah she was taking care of some sick guy in the hospital i think we got her stuff last episode like i think we got that she's a serial killer that last episode and this this week was all right here's everybody else's stuff here's here's all the things and man but the the shit with atharita is gonna catch up with her 
And yeah. that's what I'm waiting for, you know, to happen. I'm waiting for that to happen. Yeah, that's got to happen next episode. So, yeah, yeah. That's it's, good. it's really good. It's really, really good. So, if you have not watched, if you're not watching Fargo, you should be watching Fargo. And we repeat, you do not have to see Fargo 1, 2, or 3 to follow 4. Yeah, you can just jump in. This, like, it's, it's an anthology, so you can just start off at season 4. And get into the shits. So, all right. Jumping into the the next bit of crazy. The the second part of (laughs) The Red Sunday is Utopia, episode two, Just a Fanboy. So this episode starts off with Jessica Hyde looking through the penthouse for Utopia. Never mind the fact there's two dead bodies in the room. She just don't give a shit. Um, This is where we kind of start to see her weirdness, her crazy. It's not even weird. It's just crazy. Yeah, like she's not even really human in a way. Yeah, yeah. She... (laughs) realizes that she's got to find out who was in and out of that room. So she finds some perfume and she like starts spraying on herself. And she, first off, she looks herself in the mirror and realizes she looked like shit. Number one. Um, Cause the like surprise, the way she looks like she surprised herself with her reflection was kind of funny to me at least. So they start <laughs> spraying perfume on herself and literally the bitch sprays it in her mouth and then in her eyes. And I was just like, what the, why? But then you realize when she goes to the security guard, it's, to make it like she's been crying. Yeah, uh-huh. which was a creative way to go about that. Yeah, I mean, there were multiple ways. <laughs> you could have just acted like you were crying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, spraying perfume in your eyes and making You find out crazy. later on, and you find out later on in the episode, like, she could have just thought about her father. Basically, yeah, she could have. <laughs> <laughs> like, she has, like, legitimate something that she can listen or think about and cry. Like, yeah, make, make herself sad. So she goes to security guard. She tells him that she needs to confirm that her husband or her boyfriend's been cheating on her. So she just wants to see who came in and out of the room. So, of course, he feels bad for her. He lets her look at the cameras. And she gets to see Grant is the little boy. So she sees the little boy leaving the room. And she takes a picture of him. So she gets what she needs. And she dips out. And, of course, the security guard... Charges his back on the camera, so he misses... Arby and uh, Rod heading into the yeah. elevator. Yes. This is post them just running through the hotel and murdering people. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I feel like... Okay, so they did... I thought this was a case of the Mandela effect for me. Because the first time I watched this, I thought that they went to the security office and killed the security guy. But watching it back a second time, I realized they didn't. They just got on the elevator and left. So, mm, you got to keep No, they looked at the security camera. I know. They, when they got in the elevator, they looked at the security camera. So, like, I thought that it had showed them. Or, like, I thought that they went to the security office and killed the security guard. Because otherwise, like, how do you get away with this? They end up going up there and killing them. They didn't show it, but they said it. Okay. So, okay. So, not total Mandela effect. It just didn't show it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I was just like, wait a minute, how are they going to get away with this? Because they're just going to go back and look at the tapes and see these dudes that were at all of these rooms. I was surprised that they didn't see them while they were just heading into every room. This security guard was clearly not paying attention. But you got to remember there was a convention going on in the hotel. So security is probably focused other places, not in the hallways per se. Like it would be easy to miss that when you've got a party going on and people all over the place in a hotel. So I could see why it was missed initially. But when you go back and run the tape, like at some point, somebody got to go back and run that tape. The housekeeper goes into one of the rooms to clean up. And this is when the bodies, the murder scenes are discovered because the blood literally leaked through the floor into the room below it, which I thought was kind of nuts. You never really think about like how much blood is in the human body. Yes. 
So when you shoot somebody in the head <laughs> and it's just left to see through the floor in a hotel room, these floors are only but so thick. So I guess that that was a hell of that. And that was all before the credits. <laughs> like this is literally before the credits that even rolled on this episode. We got this. We get the gang goes back to Wilson's house and because and that's how they escaped the massacre at the hotel. Because they had decided they were going to go stay with Wilson since he lived locally to save money. So he ran the background check. They go to Wilson's house. We get to see Wilson's underground bunker slash clubhouse. And again, we learn that he's definitely a prepper. Um, His walls have like all this kind of utopia stuff all over him. These maps. His dad's a weirdo too. So it definitely comes naturally that his family is the way they are. Um, They start talking about, you know, what's going on and what they're looking for. More so Wilson and Samantha are like really into the conspiracy aspects of dystopia and utopia or whatever. I believe at this point, they're the only two that really believe that it's kind of a map. Yeah, because the- Ian starts to like his 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 cool card almost gets pulled here because he's like, what if, what if this is just not even real? And they're like, what you mean? What if it's not real? Like now that you've actually seen the comic, you don't want to believe in it. Yeah. yeah. So um, they kind of question him, and then he pulls out the page that he took a picture of, and they start finding all these clues. They find a virus. The one of the raindrops look like a virus, and they find the words to start undoing. They start finding weird ass shit in the page or whatever. So yeah, so they find secret shit hitting in the page that Ian had. We get introduced to John Cusack's character. In this episode, John Cusack plays Dr. Christie, who is a scientist who works in a lab that is working on a drug to combat, I guess, some of these things that are going on in the world. Is that what he's working on? Yeah. And he's also making some kind of medical infused lunch meat that it's supposed to be healthy <laughs> for the kids. Okay. Yo, the protein. <laughs> Gross. It sounds so nasty. That does sound like it the... sounds so nasty how he's explaining. He's like, it's you don't need sunlight, you don't need anything. It's just it's there. It's like space. Someone somewhere is like some weird doing some weird shit like this for real. <laughs> but his weird it's space. Tofu. Meat... <laughs> oh my. <laughs> his weird space meat is connected to the deaths of over 40 kids so during this interview he's asked about that and he was like you know the flu doesn't spread through meat or whatever and he storms out because of course he doesn't want to be connected to kids being murdered or kids dying because everyone like kids in multiple states are like dying they're eating this meat in schools (laughs) we get a brief uh we briefly see grant is on a train so it's like where's this little kid going like he's just out here in the world moving around and he has utopia Yes, Grant has Utopia. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was kind of weird because he had no plan of where he was going with yeah, this. Where, where, what is, or, I mean, you've watched more than, it, more than we've watched at this point. So, yeah, like, what was Grant's plan? I, well, I mean, he didn't have a plan. He, I, I'm not going to sit here and. I mean, no, I mean, I don't episodes. really want you, that, that's totally, <laughs> I don't really want you to answer that question. <laughs> but at this point, we're just like, what is this kid's deal? Where is he going with this? Because clearly he wasn't planning to meet up with his friends. Yeah, like he didn't even hit them up afterwards. Mm-mm. So the rest of the crew is trying to figure out where the fuck Grant's at. Because they still want to, they still think they have the ability to get their hands on Utopia at this point. I thought it had already been decided that that shit was gone. I guess they never announced. They only told Grant that it was sold. Grant was the only person they saw after old dude from the penthouse came to buy the comic. So no one else really knew. And he bought it on spot. Okay. So they think that getting Utopia is still an option. And they're trying to get a hold of Grant because they want to get the book. 
they messaged Olivia's phone trying to find out the details of getting this book and or seeing it. Well, they think they messaged Olivia, but Olivia's dead. So Jessica has Olivia's phone and she responds. And they tell her to come to Wilson's house, who then starts freaking out because you just invited this stranger. Like, I purposely live off the grid and you just invited this stranger who you don't know to my house. And you didn't even ask me before you invited them. Yeah. So Jessica's on her way to them. Becky, go ahead. You invited the mystery person. Like, not only did you invite somebody over here, but you invited this mystery person over here. This person that nobody believes even exists. And you're going to say, yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, you can come through. You're who? Oh, all right. (laughs) Exactly. We get Becky, Ian, and Samantha left to go buy snacks. They went left to go to the store. And while they go to the store, this is when... RB and Rod... Arby and Rod show up at Wilson's house. The way I agree, and I see now where you were getting the No Country for Old Men tie-in, because the way they walked in this house and killed this whole family, it was just like a... Man, just with the most just smoothness. Just How do you just knock on the door and say, hey, we're from the gas company. Can you breathe this clean oxygen? And just before, like, anyone even has breathe a chance to... clean oxygen and, and step outside? Yeah. <laughs> Just, no one, there's no stepping outside. <laughs> the way they do it and just make it seem like it's so calm is nuts. And literally, they killed Wilson's whole family. Like, they just make their way through the house. Ruthlessly. The way they let that grandma just drop down those stairs. <laughs> Yo, the way she hit this. And then, and then it makes the dad, who was a certified weirdo in real life, probably his entire life, people have been looking at him like, yo, you're a certified weirdo. And he actually got to die feeling convicted of all of the bullshit that he did, even though his, he wasn't nervous about those people coming. He had some other conspiracy theory shit happening yeah. in his mind, right? Yeah, he was, he was working <laughs> with some other conspiracy. Cause he's like, it's about my work. And they look at the walls like, who first off, who the fuck are you? And they're like, and then. He's like, know, yeah, it is about your, yep. Go ahead and brief this. <laughs> And they kill him and they make their way down to Wilson's bunker. And this is where this episode got bloody. <laughs> oh my God. I was just like, what the? I wasn't ready. So they get down there and they tie Wilson up to the chair and they tell him, like, look, we're going to ask you a couple questions. Like, where's Utopia? Where's Grant? Where's the kid? And where's Jessica Hyde? And we're going to give you three chances. Or we're going to give you like three chances to answer. And then it's going to be the salt, the bleach, and then the spoon. And he's looking like, what the fuck does that mean? As I'm looking at this, like, what does that mean? <laughs> I feel like that would have been intimidating enough for me to tell. Just <sighs> to hear those three random objects, um, I don't want to know what you're going to do with them. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm what? smart enough to not want that. I'm, so, I'm smart <laughs> enough to take those three things and go, oh, those don't sound like, first of all, the salt and the bleach one sound crazy, right? But yeah. then if you're if you happen to realize that he's talking about your eye and then the, when you hear the word spoon, you're like, oh, no, uh-uh, wait. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing, like, at no point did you realize that that's because I like you're really looking like, where could you put these three objects that I might have got my eye salted. I'm a little hard headed. I might have got my eye salted. It, I... wouldn't got, it wouldn't have got bleached. At first, I thought they were going to pour it down his throat for you to pour that much salt down And I think maybe that's throat. what he was thinking. He was like, that's a weird form of torture, but okay. Or I, yeah. So for, so they ask him these questions, and he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So then he picked the salt, and they pour it in his eye. 
And I was just like, this is the first time I've watched a lot of things <laughs> and I've never seen salt be poured in someone's eye. And I was, that is so just mean. <laughs> I don't know what other word to use. That's a really interesting form of torture, like to pour salt, because salt absorbs water and your eyeball is like all water. So that's going to fuck your, and not to mention it's also hard. So they pour the salt in the eye. In his one eye. And they're like, all right. Asking the questions again. He's like, I really just don't know. Show enough bleach goes in the eye. And I was just like, they poured the bleach all over his face. Like they just waterboarded him with bleach. And he's still like, I'm just a fanboy. I'm just a fanboy. I don't know. I don't know what you're like talking. And they're like, oh, well, what's this? And they pull up the picture of the one page of Utopia that was there. And it's like, so he's like, it's that's here. But I don't know anything else. Like I don't have anything else. I just had that. And then the spoon. Yeah, no, you're right. Maybe would have got the salt. The bleach was pushing it, but at the sp- after the bleach, I'm telling you everything. Because now I know what you're about what to do. What was there to tell? He didn't really know anything. I'd have been like, look, I'd have lied. He, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, he didn't even really know anything. Like, he caught all that just because. Because he didn't really do anything. He didn't know anything to tell. He was a super fanboy. Uh, Does man. he know a little tiny bit? Yeah, but nothing substantial to tell them. I'm like, there's some random white dude walking the streets with that boy. Like, I don't know. Yeah, they would have killed. They would have. They would have thought they had the information and killed me because I would have told the elaborate story there was. Mm-hmm. Not the spoon. Come on, dog. And shit. <laughs> even now, he's just walking around. <laughs> All right. Eyeless, <laughs> just slick ricking. So, so they proceed to dig out, and they were like, "We're gonna give you like which eye?" And I thought that they dug out the eye, the other eye that they didn't pour the salt in, but they dug out the eye that they poured the salt in. And after they dig it out, and he's like passed out, they're like, "Maybe he is just a fanboy." <laughs> like, Disrespect. Okay. Yo, this show is so crazy. It's it's. It's nuts in the best way possible. It's yeah, yeah it's I, nuts I, like how season one of the boys. I feel like like just over the top. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, Amazon different. They different. Arby goes back upstairs. He's like, hey, you clean this up. I'm gonna go upstairs and start cleaning up. You know, the upstairs part. And it's fucked up because when he goes upstairs, he runs into Wilson's niece. And now at first, I'm just like, no, they're not. But he did. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Right on the porch. Once you start killing kids, I'm like, oh, this show is real, real. Like, there is zero fucks given on the quest to get Utopia. Because he gasses Denise. And Jessica slips down into the bunker with Rod and Wilson. Poor Wilson manages to get out of the handcuffs because he had mentioned it earlier that he knows how to escape handcuffs. Um, So he slips out, but he can't see shit. He slips out, gets a gun, but he can't really see where he needs to shoot it at. So... He realized he was blind before he even got out these handcuffs. I think at this point, I would have just sat there. You know you couldn't see when you were sitting there. <laughs> he tried. I mean, you got to give him a, a B for effort. Um, however, Jessica was in the bunker and she killed Rod. So we lose Rod. Um, we lose one of the, the two menacing characters in this thing. And then she proceeds to ask him, Where's the book? Where's the kid? And he's like, look, I don't fucking know what you people like. Who are you? Like, and she's like, I'm Jessica Hyde. And he was like, yeah, what the fuck ever. Once she grips up, he was like, look, okay, cool. You're Jessica Hyde. Well, there's some little chubby bastard upstairs who's been looking for you. And see my eye? The lack of it? Yeah, it's because they're looking for you as well. So she takes Wilson out of there and they leave. And they find the other three. 
And he tells him, hey, you know, get in, bitches. Jessica <laughs> Hyde's real. The book's real. It's all real. Um, this poor guy is in shock, as he should be, because his eye was just ripped out with a spoon. Intention that you could just, like, be walking around with no eye. Just out of the socket? Just out. Just gone. Just... I wonder what that feels like. I don't like, want to know what that is. Is that an emptiness? Like, do we <sighs> actually feel our eye, but we don't know we're feeling our eye? It's got to feel empty. <laughs> <laughs> breezy (laughs) oh so jessica takes the four of them to this house and basically tells them like look you can never go home all of your family well after she knocks out wilson who's panicking she tells the rest of them like y'all can never go home again wilson's entire family's dead you know i'm gonna go get us go get disguises but y'all don't have no options like you're gonna have to disappear disguises is used very loosely yeah disguises (laughs) she said i'm going to goodwill <laughs> Yo, and she really went to Goodwill. So she went to Goodwill to get them disguises. While she's gone, they see the news that there was a massacre at the hotel, and they're talking amongst themselves, like, "Yo, what the fuck is going on?" And you know, is she involved? Did she kill Wilson's family or whatever? And they're kind of freaking out. Well, when she pops back up, <laughs> and they change clothes, and. They're like, you got this at Goodwill? <laughs> Yo, Samantha had the most drastic change because she had legitimately cut and dye her hair. She was the only one that had any kind of change. Becky literally just, just put cut her bob. Suit. Yeah, she, she, she put on a tracksuit. Track <laughs> and Ian still looked like, I mean, now he looked like a young, weird, like he looked like he was trying to be young <laughs> white boy. I don't know. It yeah. was weird. It looked like he had a midlife crisis going on. Basically. But then he starts to be like, you know, he starts panicking and freaking out. And Jessica pulls a gun on him. And she's like, look, you need to calm the fuck down. You need to do what I say. I missed this the first time I watched it. And again, not until the second watch did I get this scene and what happened. When he's freaking out and Samantha's trying to calm him down. And Jessica's also shouting instructions at him. And he's not listening to Jessica, but it's Samantha who's getting him to calm down. And then once he does calm down and sit down, Jessica takes the gun and she shoots Samantha in the fucking head. And I was just like, yo, why did that happen? At first I was like, did Samantha go for the gun? What she, happened here? She calmed you down a little too well. <laughs> Basically, because Jessica was like, there can only be one leader here and I can count. I can see what's going on. So she was like, I needed to take get rid of her because y'all are going to listen to me, not her type shit. And they're just like, eh, okay. I thought that was a hell of a way to get rid of a character. <laughs> oh yeah old girl had other things to do <laughs> they i feel like they used her for the um she said i'll give you all these little two episodes for to attach my name to a little publicity but i gotta go yeah like i was i was not ready like happy death day 2 started <laughs> <laughs> is she in happy death day 2 that is that's the girl from happy death day i know but is she in the sequel yeah oh yeah. okay well maybe that was the case. oh that was the girl that got shot movie, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. They changed her hair and then they shot her. Yep. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't even realize that that was even her because she had black hair. I thought it was somebody else. But yeah, like you said, you know, my name is in here. You know, she did what, uh, what they did to Uncle George. Mm, yeah. Oh, we're going to talk about that. So wrapping up this episode, Grant is legitimately like running out here like an orphan, like a little orphan Annie and gets scooped up by some kid and her foster. We're going to assume it's her foster mom because little girl's black and her mom's white. No. I mean, her little girl is white and her mom's black. <laughs> First of all, the way this little girl was just interacting with Grant, she was just like, this little poor boy. Like, not poor, and I feel bad for him, but ill. 
you're so dirty. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was outside in her yard eating her, the blueberries off her bush. And she's like, those are my blueberries. Uh, <laughs> and she managed to get the comic book away from him when he was trying to escape. She snatched out his backpack. But, you know, she like, are you hungry? And takes him inside and she's feeding him. And her mom is like, you know, are you in the system? And she's like, two things happen. Either you're in the system and it works for you or it fails you and you leave. So, you know, you don't have to keep running and you can stay here. And just like, just takes a little random. Uh, to me, I feel like something, this is, I don't know. I was like, something weird. This is weird. This whole. It just. Yeah, I guess you can come live here. Yeah, like, yeah. You're only so big. <laughs> uh, yeah, I found this interesting. And I'm just like, something something funky gonna happen here later on. But Grant's not gonna be safe, like, in this space somewhere. But what else? So Grant, we see he, you know, finally kind of, like, stopped somewhere. And then we also meet Rain Wilson's character in this episode. He turns out to be a doctor or a scientist named Michael who's working in a lab. And I guess his job is to find or identify different viruses and things that are out in the world. And we quickly, at the end, learn that he previously found a strain of the flu that was kind of like his claim to fame. And he's still trying to work his way out the basement, but no one cares because he found like a weak ass strain of the flu or whatever. But when he goes home, and they're watching the news and his wife tells him, hey, remember that virus that you found? Look at these kids who have these T-shaped rashes. You know, could your virus have gotten out and could it have mutated? And then it's like, OK, they they at the very end of this start to add more layers of what's going on with these virus. Like with this virus is a big deal. It's kind of what they throw at you at the end of the show. And then it takes us back to John Cusack's house where we see him with his family. And this dude literally has a kid from every country. Like he's got a kid. He's got the rainbow tribe going on in his house. And they present this as just, you know, it's nice family. And he's asking his kids, you know, what did you do to earn your place in this crowded world? And actually, I thought that was kind of cute. Like I thought that was like he sits down and they all just talk about like basically what they're their positive contributions to the world are. And you're just like, oh. But based on the context of this show, you just know that it's not going to be like... They put these little Easter eggs in at the end. Yeah, I got scared that he was going to, like, one kid wasn't going to have an answer and he was going to shoot him or something. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so the show ends kind of on a... Okay, a lot of creep... Like, it was front-loaded with crazy and then kind of slowed down. So... It's like, what the fuck is going to come next? Jessica Hyde is a wild lady. <laughs> One of the weirdest things I've ever seen on television, ever. Like, I've never seen that when on you look her up, When you look her up, like when you look up her, her picture on IMDb, she looks nothing like that person. She's black. Did yeah, you- like she's a black girl. <laughs> Sasha Bianca Lane. She was born in Houston, Texas, grew up in Dallas. Her father is African-American. Her mother is from New, New Zealand. Okay. She's European and Maori descent. All right. So wrapping up this Red Sunday episode of Paint Sundays Black is the season finale of Lovecraft Country. Are y'all ready? Yes. Oh, hold on. Before we jump into that, I did not know Sasha Lane, that's <laughs> Jessica Hyde, uh-huh. is going to be in the Loki series for Disney+. Plus. Uh-huh. Okay, black girl, get a job. She's booked and busy. Ain't mad at it. And she is the lead on the Shia LaBeouf movie. I believe that movie is based on somewhere. I think it's based on his life or something like that. Lovecraft Country. Are we ready for Lovecraft Country? Armani, are you ready for Lovecraft Country? Dexter, are you ready? Are for y'all Lovecraft? ready? 
Are y'all ready? Because I know y'all. Yo, first off, you know I'm what? I'm mad. Okay. I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, I'm getting into the habit of watching things twice before we talk about them on the podcast. Okay. The first time I watched it, because I watched it the night it aired, it was a great, you know, live tweet going on on Twitter, which I made the comment that while live tweets are fun for fans and viewers, you can't really ingest a show when you're tweeting it. Like, you're not really watching it and taking it in. You can't be. You can't be doing those two things at one at the same time. It just don't work like that. My first viewing of Lovecraft, I was like, what did I just watch? And the second viewing, I was still like, I was like, oh, I see what I watched. But I don't know. i like, okay. So it starts off with they get the book. They got the book. And they got D. And they take her back to the house to do this spell. To try to figure out what spell they need to do to save her. Okay. Immediately upon getting back to the house and trying to start saying some things, Tick and Letty pass the fuck out. We see them get transported to their two separate dreams. Or to two separate, what seems like two separate places. Tick is transported back to the house in Arnhem that's on fire with Hannah his ancestor, and Letty is transported back to Oklahoma with Hattie. And Hattie is telling Letty that Hannah sealed this book out of fear and she binded it closed. So when you guys opened it, it brought you back to us. And now you guys need to learn what was lost so you guys can fix it, basically. We see, we get the backstory of how we how this family got here. Like Hannah stole the book to protect and cast a spell to protect her lineage. So they couldn't use her family for magic. So I am glad that they didn't paint this as Hannah was in love with the master type of relationship. We got a show full of that. <laughs> if, uh, I'm Just a little tidbit. If you haven't seen Always a Witch on Netflix, the uh, premise of that yeah, show. Yeah, no, that's why I'm not going to watch that. Yeah. I, heard, I heard enough about that. And that's why I was like, I'm not doing it. Yep. it's And it's, it's worse than it sounds, honestly. Because the chick is like, she's presented with the idea of you have magic. You can wish for anything. Mind you, she's a slave. And she says, I want to go save Cristobal, which is her slave master that she's in love with. And it was like, oh, my God. So I'm glad that they didn't present this and that Hannah was because at first it almost made it seem like Hannah may have been in a relationship with Titus. It was almost I don't know, like maybe I just took that. At. It made it seem like it wasn't as bad or it tried to soften that that, that situation. And or make it seem like Titus had feelings for Hannah. Somehow I picked that up. Yeah, because they presented it as he was real nice to his slaves. That's right. That's what it was. He They did say that. They straight up said that he was nice to his slaves. So we then learned that Hannah was not with the shits. She didn't like Titus. And once she found out she was pregnant and she seen what the magic that they was doing, she quickly created that binding spell. And that's how they got the birthmarks. And she sealed the book closed. Or she started having nightmares of being in a burning house. And she couldn't handle that. So that's why she created the spell and then she killed herself. Hattie tells Letty, hey, you can't make the same mistake Hannah made. You can't. You will cripple your son if you try to keep him away from magic. Like we've learned enough now that that wasn't the right move to make. And we need to embrace it and control it as opposed to trying to hide from it. Which is a very valid point. Like had that family had magic, which we talked about last episode you know had they have had this how would their family have been different if they had understood what they had in their hands but you know we wouldn't have a show if that was the case so they come together to save d which they do oh well actually before that atticus is then has a moment with his mom so we get you know the three women from atticus's lineage essentially helping them 
at this point. So he has a moment with his mom. This was actually the one scene where I liked Atticus. They finally brought a scene to where I was just like, this poor baby. When he put his head down on his mom's lap and was just like, I don't want to die. I was like, man, I don't want you to die either. (laughs) I felt so bad for him. It was reminiscent of the end of Harry Potter when he was standing there with everybody and he was like, does it hurt? When he knew he was about to die. Yeah. 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 Dexter, what did you think of this scene? I feel bad for Tick all the time. So I don't (laughs) know what you mean. Like, Tick has been getting tortured this entire show. And obviously entire life by his father and all types of other things. Tick don't have no reason to be happy. Tick almost got ate by the first chick that he liked. <laughs> oh, he really did. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, shit. He, like, like, he almost got eaten by a fucking monster. Like, the first chick he really was digging. Like, she almost ate him. Yeah. Um. Again, we've talked about how he's delivered these scenes and he's crying. And this one, again, good scene, him and his mom. And she's just like, don't worry, baby, you're going to save them all. Because he, like, your sacrifice is going to save everybody, basically, is what she tells him. So at this moment, I'm like, shit, is he going to die? This could really happen. But anyway, they save D. And, well, Hattie is teaching Letty how to read the book and teaching her magic. Again, they all come together and then they save D. When they get out of this and Letty and tick wake up and they let everybody else know look they taught us they basically told us what we need to do and what we need to do is we need to bind atticus and christina together in order to this way if she kills atticus it'll also kill herself type of thing that was the mission at this point is we need to find a way to bind them together and the only way to do that is essentially to take the spell that christina's been using to make herself william so they they were going to need a piece of titus and then we're going to need a piece of Christina to bind them together. And this is when the mission starts. So step one, how do we get a piece of Titus? How do you get a piece of a ghost? Get Tick and Letty working together. They go back under the house. We get these scenes with them kind of, you know, bonding, I guess. Uh, this is when I was just like, what's going on? <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> they go back under the house. They go back under the planetarium. They take a shortcut to the planetarium this time because they got the back way to get there. Um, did they not need to go over the disappearing wood piece again? How did they get back there without the disappearing wood bridge thing that failed? Someone Magic. That. We were just going to something. Because I was like, oh, cool. They went back there. But wait, I was like, wait a minute. The fucking thing disappeared. So how did they get back? A little TV inconsistency. A little bit. Okay, cool. <laughs> so they go back there and they create this circle to... Summon Titus. Summon Titus. That's what we're looking for. Summon. They summon Titus. And while they have him in the circle. And, you know, I guess I've seen this in other things where you can summon someone and it makes it to where you can interact with them physically because Tick jumps into the circle and tries to grab him. And Titus is like, racist, racist. First of all, when Titus jumped to Christina, it was like. Them niggas got that book. In front of Ruby. Like. Those those are the moments like when I wish like TV shows had little moments that weren't shown. Like was Christine like my bad? Ignore that. <laughs> Sorry, my racist great grandfather said yeah. that. You know, we we I mean we knew. <laughs> I'm not like that though. I have black friends. That was the I have black friends Christina moment. Yeah, I didn't say it. So <laughs> yeah, just disregard that. 
Yeah, right. Her? 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 I don't care about Emmett Till last week. Her? You talking about oh, her? Yeah, you right. <laughs> she give a fuck about race. <laughs> but she loves her some Ruby. Come on, does she love her? Oh. At this part, I'm still rooting for... I don't know. This Christina Ruby situation is is interesting because Christina goes to her and or Ruby goes to Christina and Christina's okay. Here's my plan and she's laying it out for her in a way that makes it seem like Christina legitimately has feelings for Ruby. And then, oh, let me I guess back it up because we skipped the part where Letty had asked. Letty went to Ruby and told her, "Hey, we need a piece of Christina and this is our plan." And Atticus didn't want me to tell you any of this plan because he don't trust you. He thinks you're on Christina's side. And Ruby is just like, yo, it's just real convenient how the only time you come to me is when you need some shit from me. You always want to pull the family card when you need something. Because you always with that white woman. (laughs) (laughs) Ruby goes back to Christina. And this is when Christina's laying it out. And this is, you know, just being very open with her. Like this, in this scene, I was just like, Christina does really like Ruby. She legitimately likes her. And then... They're talking and they go to kiss and Christina has a vulnerable moment. I feel like this is the first vulnerable Christina moment because she was just like, have you ever done this before? Have you ever been with a woman before? And Ruby's like, no, this is my first time. But clearly they go in. And also in this scene, you see Ruby eyeing the blood vial as Christina is telling her how she makes the spell. Like it's got pieces of me and it's got my hair, my nails, whatever in it. So you're like, okay, is Ruby about to double cross Christina to help her sister? But when she makes a comment, you know, your spell's going to work and you've got me. I was like, oh, man, she's going to stick with her. I'm like, she's going to stick with her. Christina's being vulnerable. Maybe this show is going to have a turn. I don't know. I, I At this point, I was team Ruby Christina. Still. <laughs> and then they you get in the car and that's when Titus appears. Car accident happens. Fucking. Didn't Christina go through the windshield? Titus appears and that's when Titus pops up and tells Christina. I thought it was interesting that. When Titus left, it did take him to his other relative. Yeah, he looks at Christina, who no- recognized him, and she knows who he is, and she's just like, Titus, what the hell are you doing here? Sorry. She definitely went through that windshield. She Okay, I thought she did. And Titus is like, them niggas got the book. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> and <he's- laughs> Yo, said that. I don't know why I was surprised, but, I mean, it was just said so cavalierly, like. <laughs> niggas got the book. <laughs> You need to go get it. And then Tick and his his ancestors are able to bring him back because they're like, we need to get him back here in order for the spell to work. And Hannah had appeared as well. So they get Titus back and Tick is able to, at first I thought Tick was removing the birthmark or, and then I thought about other, um, Titus don't have one of the birthmarks or his protection spell. But he basically just cut Titus's nipple off. I thought it was just his chest. He cut off a piece, he carved off a piece of his chest. And I was like, okay, this is interesting, I guess. So all the pieces you could take, that could that's a way to do it. Take a slab of skin, can cut a finger. I guess the if he knew what he had to do with it in the end, I guess you'd want just a just piece, a piece of, of skin. Okay, you're right. So he cuts off a piece of flesh. Titus disappears. And then they finish the spell. And then all of Hannah, Dora, and Hattie also disappear. So they've got the piece of Titus that they need. They go back to the house. Dee is mad at Hi- uh, Hippolyta. She's pretty pissed that her mom left her. And she's just like, look, I had, I had to. I had to do this so I could become what I needed to become for you. And Dee just doesn't give a fuck. He's like, I don't care. And the thing is, Hippolyta didn't really choose to leave. She got sucked into that portal on accident. She didn't plan on going away for 200 Earth years, which really was like a day. 
Yeah, it, she was really gone for like two days. <laughs> In real time. How are you mad at her? You act like she is 200 years later. <laughs> yeah, she was you... just mad because she was getting chased by fucking Bobo and them. No, it's not Bobo. <laughs> she was getting, she was just mad because she was getting chased and nobody was there to help her. Her mom wasn't there and she was getting chased because of mom. Yeah, that's really what he was mad about because at the end of the day, they were looking for her mom and that's how that shit started. Um, and her mom was gone. And you left me with the world's worst babysitters. <laughs> so, <laughs> who were useless. Um, so, Hippolyta tells her, look, look, I had to go so I could become Orinthia Blue. And she's like, Orinthia Blue's not even real. And she's like, yeah, she is. And I am her. And she's me. While she got this nice blue hair, let's shout out. Like, look at my hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving Hippolyta with the blue hair. It's made me kind of want to dye my hair. I was like, oh, I miss my blue hair. <laughs> when I seen this, and I was like, man, so nice. But anyway, so Christina shows up. She tells him, like, look, give me the book. And if you give me the book, I promise I won't even want to, I won't even kill Tick anymore. I'll find another way to get what I want without sacrificing Atticus. Cause you know, our family doesn't have to be at war like this. She sounded really sincere. And then they was like, no, you can't have it. First not- of all, we didn't even invite you in here. Yeah. You just walk up in here without knocking. Um, so she gets pissy, storms off. And as she storms out, she takes the protection spell off of Letty. So it went from this ain't personal to being real personal real quick as she stormed out. Um, and now we're like, what the fuck are we going to do? So we then find out where Gia's at. So Gia's held, is in a hotel and Atticus calls her to meet with her and apologize for the way he behaved last time. And he basically explains to Gia that the reason why he acted the way he acted is because he was scared because, you know, he's got a woman that he's fallen in love with who's pregnant. And he figured the only way to be able to save that was to black out on Gia. And he says, sorry. And he's like, you know what? Then, at the end of the day, I we're- feel him. <laughs> I feel him. <laughs> like, yo, you're not, you, you didn't put, look, if if my pregnant woman is here and my monster girlfriend, if I walk into the room and my pregnant girl and my monster girlfriend from Korea are in the same room having a conversation, I'm going to lose it a little bit too. You can't blame that man for how he reacted. No, I mean, you okay. panicked. He panicked and he he said that he panicked. So he ran it back and he was like, at the end of the day, we're all connected. Our fates are intertwined, which makes us family. That's how do you, that's beyond friend zone. He, he made her family. Yeah. It's not even, we're just friends. We're cool. We're family now. Okay. So, and come home, like come home with us. Come. Uh, <laughs> she explains that her, she explains that her mom died. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Let me, let me run that back a little bit. She did say that her mom died. So like, she has nobody. Well, come back with us. Cause you know, we're connected through this weird shit that we're all dealing with. That's magic. And you're a piece of this somehow. Like we don't know how you're a piece of this, but clearly you're a piece of this puzzle. Uh, and she tells him what the shaman had said to her that, you know, he was going to die and she was going to become part of the darkness. So He's like, we'll figure it out, you know, when, when we need to. So she goes back with him. <clears throat> actually, this is when the Letty Ruby exchange actually happens after this, but whatever. Um, we also learned that Letty was in jail when their mom died. So that's why she wasn't at the. So Letty was, you know, but we knew Letty was out there like running the streets crazy. We kind of knew that from the early on, but whatever. So <clears throat> one of uh, my favorite parts of this episode is when Hippolyta slides a comic book under Dee's door. And it is a very modern comic book. Like modern day, current time comic. She slid under her door. And D is like, Where did you learn to draw like this? And Hippolyta's like, Cause D, 
was an artist, but now, you know, she lost her arm. They saved the, they didn't save her arm. Her arm was evidently too far gone. So she's like, you know, um, a artist named Afua taught me how to draw so I could come back here and teach you. So Afua Richardson, this is a shout out to a real life comic book artist. Well, one, she did do the comic that, that is featured in the episode. She drew that. So Afua Richardson is one of the very few Black women artists who has worked for Marvel and DC. She did covers for World of Wakanda. She's done X-Men 92. She's done Awesome Hulk. She did Shuri. She did a stint on Captain America and the Mighty Avengers. She's drawn covers for All-Star Batman and Attack on Titan. I can only think of one other Black woman who's done work for Marvel. And I thought, as I was doing this, I was like, is an artist. But she's not an artist. She's a writer. Yeah, so that was that was a nice little shout out. And then she tells Dee that she's got she's got a solution for her arm. So then she takes Dee to this room. They don't show us what's in the room, but when you open the door, they open the door, you just hear mechanical stuff, and then Dee's looking like, wow. So we're like, okay, well, what's she gonna do to her arm? <laughs> Meanwhile, we've got the whole gang in the travel guy in the bookstore, and Tick is kind of just looking at everybody. So this is where we get the Tick's gonna die. Um, things starts to happen or he's coming to realize he's coming to grips with his mortality it's a little too late that's what (laughs) i was thinking because this entire season every episode they're like you're gonna die tick (laughs) (laughs) well and this one is when he decides to get it together he gets baptized he's looking at everybody being happy this is that typical kind of last happy scene before shit hits the fan yeah, and everyone piles in the car, and I was like, "Where the fuck are they going?" That was the thing they didn't even tell. They didn't tell us where they were going. We end up with all of our main cast minus because Ruby shows up. Ruby shows up and brings Letty the vial of blood, and she's like, "You know what? Here, this is for you, sis. I love you." <laughs> and Letty's just like, "Oh, I knew you were gonna make the right choice." So then the whole gang piles into the car, and we get this great scene with them singing. Armani, how'd you feel about this scene? It was heartwarming. I guess, but I just felt like at this point in the episode, I was like, we c- why? You know, one thing the show doesn't really do for us is give us true time. Like, we don't know how many days have gone by from the start of this episode to the end of this episode. We don't know how much time has gone by from Atticus's apology to them being in this car ride. Because at first, when I, again, when I first watched it, Gia seemed really out of place. Like, I was like, what the f- but why is she there? So this is where I feel like we wasted time because this episode should have a been longer and or we deserved more episodes. The Game of Thrones does. They they did. It, I don't. And I'm not saying it because it's bad. I'm just saying like they did a lot that they, they tried. They sque- tried to squeeze too much. And go back and look. And now we're realizing we didn't need Gia's whole episode. Like we could have told Gia's backstory in half that episode. And did other shit. We could have had a flashback. That could have been it. So we could have spread this out a little bit more to where we could have appreciated this scene. I feel like this scene was just, it, we didn't get enough time to really appreciate what they tried to do here. Does that make sense? The whole beginning half of the episode felt rushed to me. So it's almost like, why why wasn't this a 90 minute episode? Most season finales on HBO tend to be 90, 90 minutes. And or I feel like we deserved 
three more episodes. We- what else were you looking for in this particular, or in the season? I don't feel the same as you, so I'm just trying to get mm-hmm. an idea of what you mean. Like, first of all, well, Gia, like, she's not human, so she's not supposed to feel bad and leave like a girl would. You know, she gained something, but it don't mean that everything is supposed to be right. She, like, even with him explaining to her during that time when he's apologizing to her, he's explaining to her human reaction and emotion kind of then. Think about it. If you have somebody who literally just lives a monolithic life, she literally talks to her mom only. And she wants her mom to accept her. And then her mom dies. She knows nothing else but Tick. And that girl that died, she goes out there and she realizes like, oh, okay. And she stays because she doesn't have any other place really to go. Whether she goes back to Korea or not, she's going to be by herself. It better, better be in here than to be in the wind. And she already has a premonition that says that they have some sort of something together. You know what I mean? So I, I get what you guys are saying. However, I don't know. I didn't, um, I might disagree with, I might agree with the fact that that whole episode may not have been necessary. However... Because now I want to be able to appreciate the fact that Gia is here. Like, okay, you've, I was mad when she got yelled at. You've given me an apology. Now give me more reason to, like, I just feel like this should have, we should have, we could have gotten a little bit more. I guess I would have been okay with half of the Gia episode and then give me more of this family about to lose tick. Like, give me more. Like, we lost Hippolyta for a whole episode. So give me more Hippolyta and D together post the shit D went through. Give me more Montrose and Tick bonding post Montrose, I mean, post Tick getting baptized. Give me a little bit more solidification with Letty and Tick's bonds. Because, again, they went from we ain't seen each other since high school to sleeping together to having a baby to in love. Like, so give me, like, I could have, give me a little bit more of the emotional shit that you want me to feel that you forced into a car ride. That's what I would have liked. I get it. There's a lot of emotion in that car ride. I don't I'm I, I don't I don't agree. I'm sorry. I just don't agree with y'all. Like Okay. When you think about Ruby and you think about what she's been through with her sister, and you think about what her sister's been through with Tick, and you think about what Tick's been through with his with his with Uncle George, his damn dad, the girl, and y'all talking about Tick supposed to, like Tick's supposed to be the worst Tick should be in therapy. <laughs> Like Tick is literally, he has the worst life you could possibly think of. What, like what, what's good about his life? No, you're right. You're you're definitely right. Which is why I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of give me a reason to really feel sorry for if he dies. Like I don't feel, I don't know if at this point I gave a shit if he died or not. Like I. But that's on you. Like you know all the things that I just named. I named ninety things. There's no reason to be happy why do you how do you not feel sad for him i relate to the nine <laughs> that episode was needed because you needed to understand what he went through out there and why he is the way that he is he's the way that he is based off of what he dealt with in the war what he dealt with growing up and then he dealt with monster girl and then you come home and your dad acting weird your uncle get killed Time machine, you know what I'm saying? Like little Raggedy Ann and Andy chasing my niece. <laughs> Who's really my sister? Who's really my sister? <laughs> Who's really my sister? <laughs> well, I, I get it. I get the show. What more? And I get that. I get what the only thing that I do understand is that if you're not, if this wasn't as gratifying as you needed it to be, I can understand that. However, I don't know 
if they had to explain it any differently, I just think that maybe the end should have been a little bit, you know, everything that we were watching, mm-hmm. it probably should feel different. You yeah. know what I mean? It should feel a little bit better. It should feel, you know. Because every episode was so disconnected from the previous episode, it's like now you want us to feel like we're about to lose something and you want, and now you're just throwing all this emotion. Like, it was just so disjointed from episode to episode. So it's like, it almost, you gave us a little bit, then you took us out of it. You gave us a little bit, you take it out. Like, there was just no connection. Like, it, I, it just, it was just too disjointed from episode to episode. Now we're here. They're going back to Artem, because we realized that once they show it on the screen, that's where they're going to. They have this plan to connect them. And we get Montrose and Atticus out in the woods creating this barrier spell. Oh wait, let me run it back. We skipped over the pack. We skipped over the part where they were keeping the monster underneath Letty's house. So the monster is in the basement. So they still have the little the monster or whatever. We get to Artem. Montrose and Tick create a spell, and then Tick goes to the house, and all of these weird people just appear and get ready to tie him up. So he was walking in to be sacrificed after he told Christina again. And this is kind of like where it lost me. I was just like, what the fuck was the, what was the plan? Yep. What did y'all go there to do? Because you already told Christina, you wasn't giving her the book. So did you want Christina to think that you were showing up to sacrifice yourself for her immortality? Did you think that you were going, was she supposed to believe that you were on board with her original plan? And that y'all didn't have a plan B or weren't going to try to sabotage it? Or what was I supposed to believe was going on here? I guess she thought they were honoring when he agreed to come because she gave Letty immortality. Or because she reset D's spell. But then she snatched up Letty's immortality. So we know Christina's pissy and she's mad. But she still reset D's spell though. But that was before before they got the book. She was helping them, but then they told her, go fuck yourself. So so what were they going to do with the blood? So their plan, I guess their thing was they were going to bind Christina to Atticus so that when Christina killed Atticus, she would die was the plan. She would die with them? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. We get Ruby and Letty up in a tower creating more protection spells, which seems like they're creating a protection spell, I guess maybe to keep Letty safe since she's no longer impervious to harm and we get her and ruby up there talking and it gets real weird real quick because ruby's you know makes a comment about not until this moment did i really understand family and letty's like that don't sound that sounds weird like that doesn't even sound like my sister and she was we just like, had a conversation about family me and my yeah. sister literally yeah so that's interesting she's like you know i'm so glad that you agreed to work with us in the cemetery Knowing Dan Walsh's sister didn't agree to work with her in the cemetery. So then we, we we quickly learned that this ain't even Ruby. This is Christina wearing a Ruby suit. So <laughs> we're like, yo, what the? This- the disrespect. And this is the problem that I had with the whole William, William Christina, Ruby love triangle. <laughs> For one, they took the one dark skinned woman on this show, put her in the most problematic just scenario, and then had the nerve to kill her off screen because we got little flashes or whatever saw a little bit but okay so on that ruby told christina as ruby tells letty you know what she didn't even want me to hurt you she wanted to make sure you were okay but it's your fault that she's dead you couldn't do the twist if 
I guess you you saying go back afterwards. Well, no, no. Okay, so we Ruby, we get Ruby and Letty fucking fighting, or Christina and Christina's whooping her ass as Ruby. This fight was crazy, and I just kept thinking to myself, Letty's taking these hits and she's pregnant. Is what I was thinking watching this fight. Stress Letty under. (laughs) Yeah, like this cannot be good for the baby. Christina, she made the comment that she caught Ruby trying to steal the potion, so it was her sister's fault. So in the end. We learned that Ruby was going to help her sister and she died doing so. And then Ruby proceeds to throw Letty's ass out the tire- tower and she hits the ground. Full brand of broken style. And I'm like, did we just kill Letty? This is interesting. I'm like, what kind of turns are we taking in the last fucking 10, 15 minutes of this show? What is going on? It's all breaking down and all hell is breaking loose, basically. And then you have Dee in the car by herself in the woods. Because the woods of Artem is a great place to leave a child. Because we thought bringing Dee with us was going... Why Why do they keep bringing this girl with them to leave her places? They're going to leave her. She obviously doesn't have good people at home. They could have found a baby. take care of her either. They think that she's best with them. She wasn't even with them. <laughs> so Dee's in the car in the woods reading a book. Montrose, Gia, Hippolyta are on a bridge. Yeah. And then more crazy townspeople come and jump them. With pitchforks and torches show up. And they're like, oh, fuck something. And that's when they realize the jig is up. This kind of happened all at the same time that we're learning that Ruby's Christina. So clearly Christina was not beat for this, what y'all thought y'all was going to do. Like, y'all thought you were going to hijack my spell. Ha ha, it wasn't even my blood in that bitch. So I don't care what tick drinks. Because it has nothing to do with me. So we're starting to see what looks like, no, not what looks like, what is the plan falling apart. So there's no way for Tick to bind himself to Christina. So now he's staked this thing and Christina shows up and she's just like, Christina shows up like, ha gotcha, bitch. Um, and they have Hippolyta Montrose and Gia also disarmed. And Tick's just like, where's Letty? Christina kind of makes it like, plays it as she's dead. You know, that's what it is. She's gone. He's just upset. And then Christina slices open his arms and we have a carry moment where she walks through the blood. <sighs> I don't like it. I don't want any of it. This is the part where the episode really started to fall apart for me. Because after we get Christina walking through the blood, we suddenly see Letty spring up yeah. with her invulnerability charm back on her body yeah but there was never any like where how like where did that come from so that was the question so clearly they put the spell back on her because they had the book so i guess they had the means to figure it out so we get running letty that's all i thought about at this moment was like hey letty gets to run again so she's hauling ass meanwhile d's in the car and we start to see something is in the woods with her so i'm like okay maybe this is where we get a call back to the very first episode where there were monsters. Because, you know, I'm still waiting for, for the giant reason. squid. Oh. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the giant squid at this point that we had when the show started and all the space shit. So I was like, okay, this is the monsters are coming back now. So this is, you know, Dee's in the car and I don't know how she's getting out of this. Um, we see one of the monsters rip the door off the station wagon. But then we see another, what seems to be another monster comes and protects Dee. Yeah, the one that they had underneath the house. The one that we had under the house. So they brought him with them too. So he saves, we're going to call it a he. It's cute. Um, It is kind of cute. I'm not going to lie. Once it saved D, I was like, all right, this is, ooh, I just, I just realized something. Okay, so little monster, monster, little monster thing saves D. We go back to ticking his drama. Letty appears as Christina is doing her spell 
And she's like, oh, I'm invincible. And Tick is dead. And Letty starts spouting off a spell. And she's like, give it up, Letty. It's too late. I'm already invincible. Um, Wasn't even my blood in there. So we're not like connected. So I don't know what the fuck you think you're doing. And this is when Gia realizes that the her stepping into the darkness because there's dark smoke going up the steps. Um, She needed to step into the darkness <laughs> to connect them. So she does. And when she does step into this black cloud of smoke, her little, her, her tentacles come out and she grabs Tick, she grabs Christina and Letty keeps going with her, with her spell. Yeah. So Christina ends up under like shit blows up. And she gets Cersei'd. <laughs> <laughs> she ends up under a pile of rock. I was reading that when she entered into the darkness, it mm-hmm. formed the connection between Atticus and Christina, which was like the missing component of Atticus's binding spell. And it was undone by Christina. That's the way that they, I guess, did the connection thing, even mm-hmm. though the blood thing didn't work. Also, when she did the little thing to Letty, where we thought she took away her invulnerability mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean it took away her invulnerability. Nobody said that. Letty said that. The, the mark scar was gone. Yeah, I mean, I don't. You know that that I'm okay. With. I'm okay with living with the fact that Christina took it and they put it back because they had who put it piece. back though. But I don't think anybody put it back. I'm, who's to say that it? Like, there's okay, a lot of assumption in that. Who's to say that it ever went away? Because Letty so, said it went away because Letty felt some pain. Here is where during and this is why I felt like we needed half the Gia episode and a longer episode and more episodes. Because in this moment, when Gia connects Christina and Tick, we get a whole lot of flashbacks. We get quick. We see the baptism. We see Atticus teaching D how to tame the monster. We see Christina find, walking in on Ruby fighting the vial. We see Christina putting Ruby in the bed. So is Ruby really dead? She's in that coma machine. Yeah, That's so Ruby ain't really dead. We get that. We get Hippolyta and D moment again. We get more mind. Like, all of this that was in this flashback, I could have appreciated it being... Some of it, some of it could have been seen better. Like, why did we force all this into a quick... Two they minutes. didn't force it. It came from the the magic girl who sees people's life. They give us all the stuff that has happened in this episode through Gia's vision. Cool. Okay. <laughs> After it ends, Tick's still dead. Christina's alive. However, she's not invulnerable anymore or she's not immortal. We get Letty with the book and we find out that the spell that Letty was casting not only bound Christina from using magic... It bound all white people from using magic. Oh, okay. That was lit. Okay, where are we going? This whole episode is all, are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> so they leave Christine under the rocks. And this Montrose tick moment where he was just like, come on, Atticus. Get up, Atticus. Like, again. <sighs> yeah. Um, Michael, we get more Michael, Michael K. Williams just, you know, doing the thing that he does. And... <laughs> In that montage, we had seen Montrose, uh, not Montrose, we seen Atticus give Hippolyta a letter for Montrose. And at this moment is when Hippolyta gives it to him. And we get Tick's voice basically telling Montrose that this is his chance now that he, to, you know, do right by his grandson, give him a future he didn't have. And he didn't want to tell his dad that he knew that this was what was going to happen or what have you. So they are carrying 
Atticus away, um, his dead body away on the gurney, and Christina is yelling for help. And it's interesting because then Dee walks up on her. I mean, she killed Tick just now. Tick was her favorite. Okay. Go back to episode one when she when he jumped in the window. Like, she has plenty of reasons to dislike this distrustful white woman. We're, yeah, so we're going to assume that Dee's been watching from the shadow the end of this and saw that Tick was dead. So that's why she was mad because she killed Tick. She then, we see that she has a bionic arm. And she squeezes Christina's neck and kills her. First off, uh, she's now Misty Knight. She's got a vibranium arm. And, all right, uh, we see she's got her pet. She's got her bionic arm. End of the series. End of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Did anyone else get the feeling that they're setting D up to be a villain? Feel like I could seriously, and I honestly would not be upset. I can see the way that Letty walks away with this book and this protection of this kid that she's having of we're doing the right thing and our family should have this magic and we should be the only ones with it. But now you've got Dee who is angry. She's lost her friend. She lost cousin. She's lost her arm. She's like legitimately had to, she's, when she was cutting up that newspaper that showed that the people who killed Emmett Till got off, like, they sowed the seeds for extremely angry little girl. And they set this closing up to where she might be what they have to figure out how to get under control if there is a season two. No, I don't think there's season two. I think this was just trash. Because um, <laughs> I that whole scene with her killing Christina and then the monster howling in the moonlight, I, for what? My all... I just kept asking myself during this episode, for what? Why? Because I don't think we're getting a season two. You know, it gave me Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur vibes. Because Dee is legitimately a smart, she's a smart young lady. We're going full comic book in season two. Dexter, what'd you think? I didn't dislike it. I don't know. Like, I just, I hear a lot of expectation and Mm -hmm. a lot of failure from that expectation. I don't know, like, I didn't get that from Dee. You know what I'm saying? And I don't even think that, like, they can damn sure have a second season. They might not, because that's what HBO's been doing lately. However, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what y'all was expecting out of a show. Like, it, it sounds like you guys are expecting Game of Thrones-ish thing out of this show. And what I mean by Game of Thrones-ish is Game of Thrones has source material that they had to follow to the T. Whereas, even though this was based off of a book, they weren't following it to a T to the point where they had to make it a certain thing at the end. So I don't I don't know. Like, I mean, if you feel like I'm not trying to talk you out of it. If you feel like it's trash, it's trash. However, I don't I didn't have as you can see earlier in the episodes, I never had that much expectation into them wrapping it up in a way that would make you feel like when you're going through the journey, where in the journey did it say did it make you think that they were going to close it out <laughs> the way that you guys are talking about? There was nothing. If anything, I would have thought that you expected the absolute opposite. I would have thought that you expected it to be trash. Because in reality, they never closed out. They didn't. They're not. This is not an informational show as far as development like you were just talking about with Fargo. This is not like that. They don't. It's all about interpretation on this show. How you guys are interpreting it is fine because it's your interpretation. However, I look at it like, it was all right. You know what I mean? They did exactly what I thought was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, this is one of those shows where 
There was really no antagonist. It was really Christina. They they let you believe at the beginning that it was going to be this antagonist, but you never saw him again. Fitz dies. The guy from Scandal <laughs> immediately. So then you don't have no you don't have no bad guy there. So then you're dealing with Christina, and you're kind of going. You don't even have a clear villain the whole show. Christina didn't even become a villain until she turned into Ruby. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, this show did not show you any type of development in that area to make you think they were going to close it out and make you happy. Now, will there be a, you know, do I think there'll be a second season? It could be. What's it going to be about? The same thing that the first season was about. I don't know. (laughs) 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 You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a bunch of randoms, but understand that they could bring back mad things. They could bring back Tick. It's a magic show. You know what I'm saying? They could bring back Ruby. It's a magic show. Her being a bad guy, what's well, still got to be a bad guy? It could be something else. That's the thing. And I think that that's the thing that I guess I'm hearing from you guys. They didn't stick to anything. So there was no way of them closing anything because they didn't stick to anything. One minute you're going for Atticus. Next minute you're like, yo, Atticus, you stupid. One minute you're looking at Letty and you're like, okay, Letty saved the day. And the next minute you're looking like, well, Letty, you should treat your sister better. One minute you're looking at uh, Ruby and you're like, well... I understand what you're going through. And I understand what you were saying, Armani, about, you know, how they were this brown skinned woman. However, I think that that goes along with her actual storyline. If she's not the brown skinned woman with the identity issues, then she doesn't want to be a white girl. Why would Letty want to be a white girl? You know what I'm saying? Like, why would why would anybody else want to anything that they already, you know, when she had said that she wanted to um, work at the department store, she was like, yeah, I'm going to just go. You know what I'm saying? And her sister was like, I've been trying to get in there forever. It's just, I don't know. I I understand stereotypes. We don't want to see it on TV, but I don't know. Like, this lady wasn't Scorsese in the first place. No disrespect to the director, but she was all over the place from the very beginning. So I don't see why you wouldn't have thought she was going to be all over the place for the rest of the show. They built Ruby's entire storyline about the fact of her being an oppressed Black woman who doesn't want to be black. And the reason why her sister doesn't understand what she's going through is because she's light-skinned and... Her journey is completely different. Yeah, than that of a, not just dark-skinned woman, but a thick, dark-skinned woman. Because we saw, which I see where they tried to not make this a colorism thing, as in just a dark-skinned woman versus a light-skinned woman type thing. They also then put another dark-skinned woman in Ruby's path who was a smaller, less intimidating, dark-skinned woman, got that job. So I think that was very intentional to try to remove some of the colorism and just make it seem like Ruby was just someone that white people found imposing and threatening. And that's what she's had to deal with her entire life as being this loud, strong Black woman, regardless necessarily of the fact that she was dark-skinned, but she's just this. So she's had to deal with that. And had that fight. I I I feel bad for y'all because like I know this is y'all shit. This is like your type of genre television. And for y'all to be that disappointed, I just feel bad. This is black comic book shit. Not only black comic book shit, but it's black comic book shit with history in it. So yeah, I yeah. feel bad that y'all, you know, feel this way about this particular piece of work. You know, if you spoke about power or you spoke about utopia, I don't and really any other show, it would be like, oh, whatever. This is literally the only show of its kind. The only thing that's mm-hmm. even close to this is probably Watchmen, which we're not getting back. Yeah, you know, okay, so 
in in kind of wrapping this up, because I feel like we spent a we spent a lot of time on this. I think the thing is that we did go into it with very high expectations, and that's just that is your own fault. If you go into something with high expectations, I didn't watch Underground, so I didn't. Did that you, was gonna be my next comment. Did you watch Underground? I watched two episodes of Underground. Mm, it was all right. Okay. It was all right, but it was. Are we more so critiquing the fact that you have a writer who is cons- like who's coming off of this show Underground and has been given this big platform? Like she's been given she's been given a big space to put out work to deliver work. Huge space. Is it the biggest space? It might very well be the biggest space. Like you. I'm following up after Watchmen. I would agree. Yeah, follow you. You know what I'm saying? Like it's literally the biggest. It's the biggest honor on television, right? She to yeah, be on HBO on Sunday. Yeah. Where would you want to be besides? Because Thursday nights on ABC. If Thursday nights on ABC, then Sundays on HBO. It's pretty she much get canceled on Thursday night. <laughs> it ain't yeah. the same when you're on HBO. It's like you're canceled after one one half is over there. But I'm just saying in terms of. Like, yeah. the highest honor really is to be probably on HBO on a Sunday on a, night. You Sunday know what night. I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, I, I, I don't want to say that she... I think that she did a good job over... I think overall, what we got was good material. I think it just goes back to the expectation... To the execution. But we don't know what she, like, brought to the table versus what they said, okay... While this is what you're bringing to the table and you've got J.J. Abrams putting up money, you've got Jordan Peele putting up money, here's what we're going to give you. Because I'm pretty sure HBO was still like, we're only going to give you this. So you got nine episodes to make this shit happen, which is why I feel like, which just goes back to we needed more episodes. Like this could have been a different show had it been 13 episodes, I feel like. What what, what else are you asking? What else would there have been in the show? Just, it just what did you need? I just, I'm just saying that like there was, there was points that could, that were rushed. Some things just felt rushed. And I feel like maybe it could have been a more cohesive show had it wasn't like, okay, you have literally nine episodes to explain magic and give us the backstory of how many people? Like you need to give us all these backstory of all these people and make us care about all these people and give us an ending in nine episodes. Cause this is a big cast. I mean, you've, and you're you're taking on a monumentous thing when you also want to be respectful to history. You want to be respectful to and and take care with honoring ancestors. And like there was a lot that was done in this show that I'm just saying it could have been had I think had she have just gotten a little more time. This I can't see why they wouldn't come out with this because I don't believe that they spent they may have spent a lot of money on production and all of that, but I don't see that they spent a whole lot of money getting these this cast to come aboard. And I don't think they're going to have to spend so much money to get them back. Well, I know that I did read about this show. She knew the ending, like at the beginning. It wasn't like they made her change nothing. She knew exactly how she wanted this to end. So execution-wise, maybe it could have been done differently. However, mm-hmm. this is what she wanted. I, I think the showing D as this angry person with an ability, a superpower now, like it, it, it's a setup for, we're going to have to get D under control because she's going to be out here trying to kill all these white folks. <laughs> D is mad at the world. I don't... Whereas... We're we going to disagree on it, but okay. okay. So you gave us all the reasons why Atticus had every reason to be mad at the world. 
but he wasn't. Like Atticus was still a kind person for mm-hmm. the most. And then I'm not saying Dee's not mad. I'm just saying I didn't get that from the end. Uh, okay. I didn't. I didn't see her being. All right. Well, I'm gonna cut some at this angry black woman. I mean, believe me, I'm not mad at it. I'm kind of here. I'm here for it. But all right. So that is Lovecraft Country. It is. It has come to an end. And yeah, sleepers. <laughs> what do y'all got for sleepers? Armani. My sleeper this week can be found on Hulu. It's called Ingrid Goes West. It stars Audrey Plaza and Scarlet Witch. Elizabeth Olsen. Um, um, And it's reminiscent of the movie with Deadpool, where he was crazy. He was, like, hallucinating. Oh, where Ryan Reynolds was hearing voices? Wasn't it called Voices? Voices. Voices. Um, And this kind of, she creates an obsession around this girl and her L.A. lifestyle and slow slowly tries to work her way into it and like people end up dying it's a dark comedy it's pretty Mm. good okay dexter what's your sleeper my sleeper is ex machina it actually stars domnell gleason and oscar isaac it's about oscar isaac being a super millionaire and he created a robot he brings this guy in to kind of interact with the robot and you get to see the unhealthy relationship that the guy he brought in and the actual owner of the robot have with this robot very interesting watch you can find x machina on showtime awesome so my sleeper this week is the netflix series last kingdom alexander draymond it is the story of the saxons versus the danes it is a period piece it was adapted from the Saxon stories. It's on Netflix. It's a Netflix BBC combo. If you like things that are period pieces where there's yeah, a little history again against the Danes versus Saxons, very early the founding of England. I enjoyed this show. There is four seasons. So if you're looking for something else to start that has a few seasons, season five is supposed to be coming back. We don't know yet. It's been renewed for season five. We just don't know when the date because of COVID. But it's it's a good show to get into if you're looking for, for a new series that's got a little substance to it and some history. So that's my sleeper. I think that's a podcast. That's a podcast. Make sure to like, rate, subscribe, share this here podcast, tell a friend. I'm sure everyone has some feelings about Lovecraft, so feel free to hit us up on the social medias. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can find us at House of Blurds on all those places. And until next time, take care of yourselves and be good to each other.